This is part eight on First Thessalonians five twelve to twenty two, and the focus is on verse fifteen. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always pursue good. So you get a negative, don't do that, and a positive, do this. But always pursue good toward one another and everyone. In other words, believers and unbelievers. Always, always, always pursue good. Christians are not eager to bring evil or destruction on each other or anyone else. We are bent on salvation and rescue and help, helping the weak, doing good to one another and to everyone. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. So he just told one group of brothers, to submit happily to those who are over you and admonish you. And then I'm arguing in these sessions that verse 14 addresses these people who are over you, whom we are as members to esteem, and they are now to admonish, just like it says they do. And you leaders who are over the others and to whom they are to pay respect, I urge you, leaders who are brothers, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And then verse 15 says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. Why doesn't he just say, don't repay anyone evil for evil? And my suggestion is that he's still talking to this group. The you here, who are those who are over the other you. So, those who are over you, I'm telling you now, you do special admonishing, encouraging, and helping, and being patient, and see to it that these idle folks, and these faint hearted folks, and these weak folks, and everybody else, see to it they don't repay evil for evil. So, Father, if that's, if that's what we're on to here, I pray that you would help not only all of us not to return evil for evil, which would be a glorious miracle, but that you would give pastors and leaders and parents and others who are responsible for those in their charge to know how to help them not return evil for evil. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm not saying it has to mean that. this. Just like I, I could be wrong about verse 14, that this you here is a special group of brothers who are the leaders referred to here. I could be wrong, and this might be all of you, every single member, see to it that no one repays. But coming right after verse 14, when he's telling, it seems, a group of people, you admonish the idle, you encourage the faint-hearted, you help the weak, and be patient with them all. Might he not be saying, 
And that's the way you go about seeing to it to help no one repay evil for evil. In other words, the aim of your admonition, the aim of your encouragement, the aim of your helping, and the aim of your patience is not keep their nose above water. (laughs) The aim is radical discipleship for Jesus. I think this is so important that even the faint-hearted, even the weak, the aim of our helping them, the aim of our encouragement, the aim of our patience, and the aim of our admonition is to help them to see to it that none of them repays anyone evil for evil. So there is a—I'm arguing that this refers to the, the pastors, the leaders, those who are over you in the Lord. And there is a way to admonish, there's a way to encourage, there's a way to uh, help and be patient that helps other people, leads other people, and sees to it that no one repays evil for evil, but pursues good. Isn't it remarkable that in all the other places in the New Testament where this language is used, it, there's no language like this, see to it that. It's always a direct command. For example, 1 Peter 3, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil. There it is. Direct quote. Don't repay evil for evil. Same thing with Romans 12. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. It doesn't say see to it that no one repays evil for evil. It just says don't do it. It's a direct quote. Same thing where it all starts in the teachings of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow. These are all just direct commands, nothing like this text here, see to it that. See that. Same thing in Luke 6. But I say to you, Jesus talking, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Just like here it says, do good. Don't return evil for evil. Do good toward one another and toward everyone. So I think this is a good word not only to all of us not to repay evil for evil, but especially to leaders to admonish and encourage and help and be patient, all with a view to helping faint-hearted people be crazy Christians who live so counterculturally that people sit up and notice, my goodness, they don't return evil for evil. They're always trying to do good, even for their enemies. And the question then remains, okay, uh, how do you do that? Where do, where do, do we get the spiritual wherewithal, the resources to be this kind of countercultural, counter-natural 
person? And Jesus said the answer was in absolute, deep, unshaken, thrilled confidence in your reward in heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Response, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling or persecution for persecution, but rather rejoice, be glad. That's crazy, right? That's glorious. That's a miracle. How does it happen? Because your reward is great. It's off the charts, unspeakably, breathtakingly, immeasurably great in heaven, so great that it enables you to rejoice instead of retaliating. And so now you come over to 1 Thessalonians and say, how did Paul say that? Here's the way he said it. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Don't return evil for evil. That's part of walking worthy of God, as he unpacks three chapters later. And then he explains how it is that you walk worthy of this God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Great is your reward in heaven so you can rejoice when you are reviled and persecuted and slandered. And Paul says, there is a walking in this world that shows the worth of God, that accords with the worth of God. And what is the worth of God? The worth of God is that you are now brought as a Christian into his kingdom and into his glory. And if we felt the glory of that, the wonder of that, the pleasure of that, the breathtaking pleasure of that forever and ever and ever, then we would pursue good for everyone and we would not return evil for evil because God has satisfied our souls and we don't need to use revenge to satisfy our souls. Rather, we can multiply our joy in God by doing good to others, which means doing everything we can to join us in the enjoyment of God forever. So this is a very high calling. It is possible if we are that satisfied in God, and especially leaders are told to deal with the idle, deal with the faint-hearted, deal with the weak, and deal with all in such a way that they become that kind of counter-cultural, counter-natural, radical Christian.